The Chiefs won the Super Bowl in 2020. Glorious day if you're a Chiefs fan. But you know, that glory actually began in training camp. Coach Andy Reid said, imagine winning the Super Bowl. Imagine celebrating on the field. Picture holding up the trophy. Picture the parade in Kansas City and the elation you'll feel. And then hold that before you every day, especially during practice when practice is hard. Hold it before you when we need one last to drive to win the game and you think you have nothing left. Hold that prize before you. Now Jesus is gonna give us a vision, it's a prize to hold before us as we run this race called life. And I'm gonna read to you a portion of that vision. It comes from Revelation chapter 21, verses six through the end of the chapter, which is verse 27. Let's go ahead and read that. He said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone to the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh adjacent, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. 
I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. All right, now we're going to go back verse by verse and try to understand what we wrote. Verse 6 says, He said to me, it is done. What's done? The plan of God is done. There's a plan that's been planned before time. And now after time, the plan is completed. Jesus is letting us in on the plan. It's to magnify his glorious grace in the redemption of humankind. Next verse. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So Jesus, Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. Jesus is the beginning and the end. Let's go ahead and put up this timeline. There's Alpha and there's the Omega, okay? Beginning and the end. In between, you have a little timeline. Time comes into existence when the Word of God speaks light and time and matter and energy into being. But before that, there's the plan to redeem the elect. When time ends, there's eternity and glory for us. But Jesus encompasses it all. Next verse. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And so this water of life is the eternal life that flows through you because the Holy Spirit has regenerated you. This is given to you without cost. It's by grace. You don't have to earn it. Next verse. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Uh, another translation says that those who overcome will inherit all this. So notice, you have to overcome to inherit this. In other words, you have to remain in the Lord. You have to hold on to your faith. You have to stay in the family. In my former church, we had this man who owned this property in Wyoming. Beautiful mountains in the background, a stream of trout in the foreground. There was a beautiful house of splendor. He owned it. It was his vacation home. It was enjoyed by all of his children and his grandchildren. And when he died, the kids and the grandkids inherited it all. And it became their vacation home and their special place. But one of the grandkids had a spouse that left her for another woman, and, well, he wasn't part of the inheritance anymore. 
You had to stay in the family to inherit it. And so Jesus is saying, you know, you got to overcome. You got to hang in there. You got to keep the faith, stay with the family to inherit all this. Now we're going to see what we're going to inherit, but first of all, he's going to tell us who doesn't inherit it. But the cowardly, unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts and idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So, first of all, the cowardly won't. Now, let's remember the context. These people are living in the Roman Empire. There's extreme pressure on them to burn incense to Caesar at one of Caesar's temples and to say, Jesus is Lord. I mean, not Jesus is Lord, Caesar is Lord. But the true Christians wouldn't do it, although there's a lot of pressure for them to do it. In fact, part of the pressure was just say the words, and you can still believe in Jesus. But Jesus is saying the cowardly won't inherit. Neither will the unbelieving. You have to continue to believe in Jesus. Murderers won't uh, get in, and and the sexually immoral. You know, our culture tends to reduce sexual immorality to rape and incest, and pretty much everything else goes. The scripture has a different standard. It's faithfulness within marriage. It's celibacy outside of it. Outside of that, scripture is going to call that sexually immoral. You can't have that be characteristic of your lifestyle. Also warns us against magical arts, Ouija boards, the occult, witchcraft, communing with the dead. When we do these things, we actually interact with demons. And then idolaters worship other gods and liars. Another translation is deceitful people. These are people who who just live a life of deceit. These people don't inherit the kingdom. Actually, their their end is the, the lake of fire, which is the second death. Let's go to the next verse. Now the Lord's going to show us this heavenly city. And uh, one of the angels says, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Now we usually think of the bride, the wife of the lamb, as being a people. But now we're going to see it as a city. And... uh, And before we get to what the reward or the prize looks like, let me just comment. The previous verse says these kinds of people aren't going to get it. And then it's saying the people who overcome will. And you might think when you read that, this sounds like salvation by works. But the scripture isn't saying that. Because it is by grace. And when the Holy Spirit touches us and gives us faith, we're impressed by the love of Christ. And we love him, and we want to please him in return. And so it's actually Jesus that gives us a heart that wants to please him and wants to continue in the faith. So now we're going to see this this great city that's promised to us. And I'm not sure if it's metaphor or if it's an actual city. 
The reason why it can be metaphor is because it's called the Lamb's Bride, which is the church. It's a people. When St. Augustine describes the city of God and the city of man, he doesn't talk about structures or cities. He talks about qualities of people. But we can't think of it in both ways. Perhaps we will live in this city, but the description does describe the church and the people of God. So one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came to me and said, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And then it had a a great high wall with 12 gates and the 12 angels at the gate. And the gates were, on the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. So we're talking about the church, but it's the 12 tribes of Israel. This is telling us that our faith has Jewish foundations. That the Old Testament saints who believed in Yahweh even before Jesus came, they are part of of the church. It also tells us that our faith has Jewish foundations. You know, we tend to think Christianity and Judaism, they're two different religions. Maybe Jesus came to start a new religion. No, Jesus did not come to start a new religion. He came to fulfill the Jewish scriptures that promised a Messiah to Israel and Gentiles would be included in these people. Really, Christianity is fulfilled faith in Yahweh. Now, along with these gates that have written on them, the 12 apostles, the next verse tells us that the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The 12 apostles basically give us New Testament teaching. So we have a church built on the Old Testament, and built on the New Testament. Next, now we're going to start getting into the description of the city. The city is laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. Uh, The angel measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. Now, the key number here is 12,000. Don't worry about the measurements. It's 12,000. And remember, every single number in Revelation has meaning. 12 is a number of completeness. So there's a complete number here. Multiply it by 10, it's a big complete number. By 10, bigger complete number. By 10, bigger, bigger complete number. It's a really big complete number, 12,000. The city is as long as it is wide, and it's also that high, it's shaped in a cube. Only one other other structure in the Bible is shaped like a cube, and that's the Holy of Holies, where God's presence dwells. And so every part of the city will be indwelt by the presence of God. Now, stadia is 200 yards. 
12,000 stadia comes up to 1,500 miles. That's like Wichita to one of our coasts. Really, really big city. It's just telling us there's a lot of people in this holy city. There's a lot of people that make up the present, not make up the people of God. Let's go on to the next verse. The wall was made of jasper in a city of pure gold, as pure glass. The foundations of the city were decorated with every kind of precious stone. Now, I'm not going to go through the precious stones, but let me tell you something about gemstones. Gemstones are gemstones because of the way they interact with the light. They either absorb it, refract it, or reflect it. That's what makes them gemstones. And I think this is saying something about the church, that every person who belongs to Christ, even the different tribes and streams and denominations, reflect and refract the light of Christ in some way. Sometimes you'll say, I see Christ in that person. That's because they're reflecting Christ. But I also think the different, call them tribes or streams, or denominations also reflect the beauty of Christ. They reflect a different facet of the beauty of Christ. A diamond is beautiful because it has multiple facets, but even within the diamond are different facets that reflect and refract light in certain ways. And when you turn the diamond, you see its beauty. There are some churches, like the Catholic, the Orthodox, the Anglicans, who just extol the majesty of God. There are other churches, like the Reformed Church, that wants to be very theologically precise because they highly value the truth of God. Other churches are more charismatic. They have an openness to the Spirit, and they they kind of move in freedom with the Spirit. And others uh, emphasize evangelistic zeal, and others holiness. But all of them reflect the beauty of Christ. And I think it's good for us to see the beauty of Christ in other bodies of believers. And it's a good thing for them to rub off on us because... When we embrace some of what they are, we become more beautiful as well. Because these different stones reflect different parts of the church's interaction with the true light that is Christ. Next, we see that the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. That's where we get the term the pearly gates. All right. And then the great street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. It reminds me of a story of a man who was very wealthy. He was a believer in Jesus, and one day he's talking to the Lord, and he says to the Lord, Lord, I would like to take some of my wealth with me when I go to heaven. And the Lord says, okay, I'm going to make you a deal. You can take one suitcase full of whatever you want into heaven. So the man thinks, and he goes, I wonder what currency you know, they use in heaven. And he thinks, well, I've heard of gold being in heaven, so I'll just pack my suitcase full of gold. And he just packed it full of these 
gold bars. And then he died and he, he went to heaven dragging the suitcase with him. He's met at the pearly gates by St. Peter. St. Peter says, wait a minute. No one comes in here with anything. And the man says, I have a deal with the Lord. I can bring in whatever I want as long as I can fit it in the suitcase. Peter says, okay, go ahead and open it up. The man opens it up and Peter pulls out this gold bar and says, Pavement? Now, really, this is metaphor. We're saying that the wealth and the glory of heaven far surpasses the wealth and glory of earth. You know, our investments, they can sink with the stock market. We can make a poor investment, and really, we can't take it with us despite that joke. It's also limited in what it can buy us. How many of us would give all we had to have our loved one back or to have our health restored? And we've all lived long enough to know that wealth doesn't buy us happiness. The wealth of heaven, the glory of heaven far outweighs whatever we have on earth. Jesus wants us to set our sights there. Well, the passage goes on. Verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. So John is thinking, well, this is the heavenly Jerusalem. Where's the temple? He doesn't see a temple. And there's no need for the temple because the temple existed so that the glory of God could descend on the temple and fill it with his presence. This whole city is filled with the presence and the glory of God. And then verse 27 says that we must enter this city and that those whose names are written in the land's book of life are the ones who enter into it. Now we enter it by faith, but we do not wait until this time to enter it. The moment you come to faith in Jesus, you have entered the kingdom of God. And you get a taste of its glory in the here and now. When we truly worship the Lord, we get a glimpse and a taste of his glory. When, we, when our bodies die and our spirits go to heaven, there's ever-increasing glory there. But that's not the full glory yet. This is the full glory where every moment, for all of eternity, we are surrounded with the glory and the light of Jesus. And remember from last week, there's no death here. There's no pain. Nah, everything is made new. This is your inheritance. This is the place that Jesus is preparing for you when he said, I go to prepare a place for you. This is it. This is your place. Do you want it?
And so Jesus says, you got to hold that place before you. Kind of like Andy Reid said to his players, you got to hold the trophy before you, especially when practice is hard and when you need the, a final drive to win the game. And Jesus gives us this, this vision because he knows life's hard. He knows we're assaulted by the devil. He knows we're tempted. He knows we stumble and we fall. We know that there's persecution against us and pressure to conform to the culture. And Jesus is telling us, in all of that, I want you to overcome. I want you to hang in there. Keep on believing. And when you fall, keep on standing up. Jesus tells us to overcome, not because we're perfect. He tells us to overcome because we fall. But those who overcome will keep on believing keep on pressing into him, keep on wanting to obey him, they, he says, will enter it and it will be yours. Back in 2001, there was a new show on TV called The Amazing Race. It was the family version where members of a family would compete in this race and they went to different cities in the world and they had various challenges they had to overcome and uh, the family that overcame the challenges first, you know, ahead of the other families, they got the prize and the prize was $1 million and every week they remind the families, well, remember your prize, it's $1 million. And uh, it wasn't an individual race. You had to do it with your family. You had to overcome the obstacles with the family. Each family wanted the prize, but he needed the family to get there. Can you see the prize? We're going to need the family to get there. But we will also need the hold before us, the beautiful city that is our inheritance. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this glorious inheritance we have in Christ, given to us, not earned but chosen to receive it. And Lord, we confess it's tough to walk this race sometimes. We need your strength. So for hopeless, bring us hope. For tempted to compromise, hold before us the great city that your will and your glory is better than anything here. And if the world has crushed us or crushed our bodies or caused us to lose hope, let this be our hope for what you have for us is good. For this we praise you. Amen.